You're listening to the Diplomats podcast on Asian geopolitics. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Ankit Panda, uh, and this time, unfortunately, I'm not joined by my regular co-host, Katie Putz. Uh, she is often traveling in South Korea currently, but uh, in her stead, I'm very happy to have back on the show after a pretty long time, uh, Sebastian Strangio, the Diplomats Southeast Asia editor. Sebastian, it's great to have you back. I uh, hope you've been well. Thanks, Ankit. It's good to be here. Uh, so... As listeners may know, um, the United States and Vietnam uh, took a major diplomatic step over the weekend, uh, actually sort of leapfrogging their diplomatic relationship uh, to what Vietnam uh, prefers to call a comprehensive strategic partnership. Uh, That's what the two countries announced when President Joe Biden visited Hanoi uh, to uh, meet with uh, his Vietnamese counterpart. Um, now, of course, this is interesting for a variety of reasons. Um, the expectation in the lead up to the summit was that the two countries would uh, elevate their relationship to a comprehensive partnership that has now become a comprehensive strategic partnership. Um, there's a lot of, I think, geopolitical context to untangle here, Sebastian, and I'm glad to have you to sort of help us do that. Um, I think the place to start is with this announcement of the elevation. Uh, you know, sometimes when you read diplomatic statements, uh, words like comprehensive strategic partnerships and, um, you know, elevating relationships can can sort of begin to lose their meaning. Uh, but there's been a lot of focus among analysts who focus on uh, Vietnam in particular on this decision by Hanoi. Um, what do you make of it? Uh, were you were you sort of surprised by the choice here, uh, particularly Hanoi's willingness to take this step despite the optics of uh, leapfrogging and elevating the relationship uh, in this sort of rapid fire way. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think six months ago, um, opinion among Vietnam observers of Vietnam was split. There were a lot of people who were skeptical that the Vietnamese wanted um, to upgrade the relationship to uh, a strategic partnership then was what people were talking about. There was no talk that it would leapfrog straight to the top tier of Vietnam, Vietnam's diplomatic hierarchy. But people at the time were, were, were arguing that the U.S. was very keen on this upgrade. Uh, I think that the substance of U.S.-Vietnam relations have for many years lagged behind the formal designation. Um, and that, But that the Vietnamese, uh, the Communist Party of Vietnam, were a lot more cautious about it. They were cautious about the reaction from Beijing, and they were also cautious about, you know, some of the securocrats in the CPV are, are still worried about the the U.S. potentially interfering in camp, in in uh, Vietnam's domestic affairs by fomenting a peaceful evolution toward democratic rule. Um, but there seems to have been, a, if indeed Hanoi was reluctant, there seems to have been a change in um, their view on this. Uh, and the fact that I was quite surprised that they decided to leapfrog uh, the strategic partnership and go straight to the comprehensive strategic partnership, something that they've only done in one other case, and that was with China in 2008. Right. I think I think I think that's a very interesting observation. Let's talk about China for a second. Right. Uh, I feel like this happens a lot on the Asia Geopolitics podcast of late when we talk about uh, U.S. ties with any other country. China's, of course, looming in the background. Uh, and, and Biden, you know, uh, he's he's a straight shooter when it comes to these issues. And he spoke rather openly um, in uh, in Vietnam about uh, containment of China, right? I mean, specifically saying that it was not about containing China, uh, trying to offer reassurances from Hanoi to Beijing. Uh, I wonder how that went over in Vietnam, uh, if the intention here was to 
indicate that this was a relationship that was deepening for its own reasons with very little to do about China. But, you know, Biden talked about having a stable base, about seeking new partners in the Indo-Pacific. And I think he's right. I mean, there's a lot of kind of consistency to that going back uh, arguably all the way to uh, Obama's second term when Vietnam's ties with China, particularly in the South China Sea, took a nosedive in uh, 2013 and 2014, particularly in 2014 after the notorious um, oil rig incident in in the South China Sea. So um, what do you make here of the U.S. approach? Uh, how's that sort of reading from from where you sit uh, and, and more generally uh, among among the analysts who, who look at Vietnam's broader uh, approach to the U.S.-China um, geopolitical conundrums that, that Hanoi faces? I think it's difficult to disentangle it from American policy toward China. Um, the Biden administration has made a number of, uh, has made a lot of efforts to consolidate relationships with key partners in the region. We've seen advances in the security relationship with the Philippines, quite significant advances since um, President Marcos came into power last year. And I think that they've decided to focus on a few nations that share some of their concerns about Chinese behavior and ambition. Um, I mean, Biden saying this has nothing to do with containment of China, I think, is something that he sort of has to say, both for both for reasons of, um, you know, because that's basically how the Vietnamese are framing it as well. Um, and also, you know, this is this is been the case across the board with U.S. diplomacy uh, in Asia or in the Indo-Pacific, as you might um, refer to it, um, you know, they rarely refer to China uh, openly. And they, they want, I, I think they recognize that it's important that relationships are framed in their own terms and not simply as a subset of Washington's China policy. And so, but I do think we wouldn't be seeing the rapid advances in the relationship between Vietnam and the United States without this concern as background you know, thrum of concern about China's growing power and its ambitions in the region. Um, I think that's probably true also on the Vietnamese side. I, I mean, this is not all about China for them. The upgrade, um, the leapfrogging um, is not about Vietnam taking the United States side in a binary struggle for dominance in Asia. It is an expression of Vietnam's um, long-standing, independent, and what they would what they refer to as omnidirectional foreign policy. Um, but that independent and omnidirectional foreign policy, which is based around building relationships with as many partners as possible, is in some senses an outgrowth of Vietnam's very awkward geostrategic location, which is, you know, to, to the fact that it shares a border with China and is um, experiences the, you know, um, the pressure of being next to this big country, as, as well as the complexity of having such close historical ties to it, um, especially amongst the communists, between the two communist parties. Um, and so I do think that China is an important factor here, even if there are, you know, a lot of other benefits that Vietnam can derive mm. from a closer partnership with the United States. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, also on the history, uh, you know, obviously, um, Vietnam fought wars with both China and the United States, uh, which, which of course, uh, you know, looms in the background in many ways. Although, uh, obviously, mm. bears very little relevance today to um, the state of particularly U.S.-Vietnam ties. Um, you know, looking through the joint statement uh, issued um, at the uh, at the summit, uh, it's really interesting. You sort of scroll through it, and you and you see really a heavy focus, I think, on kind of desecuritizing uh, the the context of this summit, right? There's a lot on 
you know, a range of kind of hot topics, everything from kind of semiconductors to technology partnerships, uh, you know, science and technology research, people to people ties. Um, if you're if you're talking about a strategic global partnership, I mean, there is really an attempt to show that the United States and Vietnam have a lot more to talk about uh, when when their leaders meet than than just the China question. Uh, and uh, I think I think that's been actually a pretty strong through line in the broader U.S. approach to Vietnam, uh, probably actually going back to the again, just to go back to the second term of the Obama administration, you know, the efforts to pull Vietnam into uh, the TPP, which, of course, the U.S. never entered. Mm. But um, that I thought was an interesting way to sort of give some heft to this idea that, you know, Vietnam in particular is is sort of um, pursuing this relationship with the U.S. as an expression of its own autonomy. Did anything sort of jump out to you in terms of the deliverables? I mean, there's, there's this incredibly long list of, you know, strategic ports and energy infrastructure, travel, transport, tourism, um, climate resiliency, uh, just a long laundry list of items. Did anything in particular kind of stand out to you? Nothing in particular, but I think it is very interesting that, you know, the Vietnamese have emphasized that they can derive a lot of economic benefits from from a closer partnership with the United States. And that really, I mean, we are, we are publishing an article today by a member of the Diplomatic Academy of Vietnam, speaking in a, writing in a personal capacity, of course, but he, he um, argues that if Vietnam is to escape the middle income trap, you know, support from the United States for high technology, technology industries like semiconductors, you know, will be crucial. Um, for the country to, you know, to, to, to climb the value chain and um, secure its long-term economic future. And the fact that the Vietnamese have chosen, you know, the, the official title of the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership is the Comprehensive Strategic Partnership for Peace, Cooperation and Sustainable Development, which I think emphasizes the Vietnamese government's desire to, yeah, to focus, to, to move beyond the simple um, security focus, um, which which does dominate the American uh, engagement with Southeast Asia more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think you're right that that there has been a very substantial economic component to U.S. Vietnam relations for for quite some time. Um, but yes, I think uh, you know this this for the Vietnamese this is as much about economics as it is about security. Right. Uh, let's talk about security. Uh, quickly before we uh, before we wrap up um so you know just to kind of contextualize for listeners you know hanoi has uh, as you pointed out an omnidirectional foreign policy uh, famously with its defense policy vietnam maintains the three nose policy of no alliances no foreign basing on its territory and no alignment with a second country against a third and i think that very much kind of permeates its engagement here with the United States. So again, to go back to the joint statement, when you look at the language in the paragraphs on defense and security, which interestingly comes very far down the joint statement, right? Uh, And I think that's a pretty deliberate choice, probably by the Vietnamese side. And then the language in those paragraphs is really quite anodyne, right? We're not, we don't see language here on kind of freedom of navigation and the South China Sea and the rules-based order, uh, as you might see in kind of similar paragraphs in U.S. statements with um, certainly treaty allies, but also countries that have been longer term partners, perhaps. But the language here mm. is, you know, um, trafficking of narcotics, cybercrime, uh, United Nations peacekeeping, humanitarian assistance uh, operations. Um, and I think that's a really interesting uh, framing here. Um, what do you what do you make of that, Sebastian? And then 
you know, a, a, a sort of, I guess, a supplementary question here geopolitically is, you know, where do things go from here between the U.S. and Vietnam? I mean, things have come a very long way. I remember doing podcasts on U.S.-Vietnam relations, uh, you know, almost 10 years ago. Uh, and it's and it's really kind of remarkable to look back at, at this moment and how far the two countries have come. But, you know, where do things go from here? And, and what do you make more broadly on, on the defense relationship at this point? I think you know, just as the fact that the economic deliverables have been um, front-ended in the public announcements um, of this upgrade, the, 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 you know, the, the, the Vietnamese are very cautious about sending a message to the Chinese government that this is not about Vietnam joining an anti-China coalition. This upgrade is not even really geared towards China at all. Um, they've been very, quite interestingly, they've also in the past few months announced um, pending upgrades with Australia, Indonesia, and Singapore, almost as if to tell Washington, uh, to tell Beijing, look, we're upgrading the United States, but this is not that big a deal. You know, um, we're doing this with a lot of our partners. Diluting it almost. Um, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, dil almost diluting the significance of the move. Um, and this significance, uh, this is a, an upgrade that I think the United States has been wanting for a long time. And so I think that the Vietnamese have managed to thread the needle fairly well. Um, Beijing would have been notified of this through party-to-party -party channels, I'm sure. So this would not have come to a, come as a surprise to the Chinese government. I think in the defense front, we're likely to see a fairly, we're not going to see that much change. I mean, a comprehensive strategic partnership doesn't really mean anything. Um, it's sort of a floating signifier. It doesn't come with any automatic, um, uh, you know, deals or agreements that are unlocked by by sort of achieving this level. Um, and that gives the Vietnamese a certain degree of flexibility about, you know, how and when they decide to develop closer relations with the United States in this regard, in terms of, you know, uh, arms deals uh, or closer cooperation um, in maritime security. I think that we're not going to see anything, anything that touches on, you know, hard security arrangements in the South China Sea. It's all going to be, as you say, these, you know, anti-piracy measures, cybercrime, these softer forms of security cooperation that um, can help to develop the relationship, but not step across any, th you know, the threshold that might prompt an angry response from the Chinese government. I think that the Vietnamese are still very cautious about how far they go in this regard. Um, for instance, that just this month, it was announced that, that Vietnam is, is seeking to procure more military uh, material from the Russians, which sort of indicates that 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 defense relationship will remain very much salient for, for the Vietnamese into the foreseeable future. Over the longer term, it's harder to say. I think that what needs to happen now is for, for the Vietnamese to decide um, exactly how to, you know, what they need in order to safeguard their sovereignty in the South China Sea. Um, but I, I think that, that there's a certain point at which I think things will sort of hit a limit uh, as to how far they can go in, um, you know, in, in building defense ties with the United States and, you know, perhaps, you know, more multilateral or minilateral approaches will, will be more to the Vietnamese government's liking. Um, uh, a lot also depends on Chinese actions and how far they push things. Mm, exactly. I mean, so far the Vietnamese have been very good at quarantining their relationship with China. Very, in, in some ways, a very close and productive economic relationship. 
and a very intimate party-to-party -party relationship between the two communist parties from the maritime and territorial disputes that are outstanding between them. Um, you know, whether that's possible if, if China continues to, to, to push um, and, and, you know, continues with its aggressive actions um, offshore remains to be seen. But I, I do think that the Vietnam will be very cautious in expanding its defense cooperation with the United States, despite this latest upgrade. Yeah, I think I think I think that's a good note to end on. I mean, I was about uh, I was about to make that, uh, you know, make a similar observation, uh, you know, just going back to 2014 and kind of thinking about the, the major oil rig standoff that almost spiraled completely out, out of control. Uh, it, it did serve as a major accelerant and a bit of a wake up call, I think, in Hanoi for the reality of um, managing, uh, I think, this complex relationship with China, which, as you said, has the party-to-party -party component, uh, the long history, the economic component. But, but certainly, I think Vietnam is now um, well past, I think, hedging in its approach to the United States more broadly. I think, I think that's sort of the takeaway I have with um, the last several years of what's happened here. But uh, Sebastian, um, it's always great to have you on. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on today to provide your insights uh, and analysis on the U.S.-Vietnam relationship. Thanks, Ankit. I uh, look forward to the next time. Absolutely. Uh, for listeners, if you like what you heard on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to keep up with future episodes. And if you've been a subscriber for a while but you haven't yet left us a review, please do so. You can do that anywhere you get your podcasts. It really helps the show out. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back soon with more.